Today on CityCast Philly, Joseph Augustus Zarelli, formerly known as the Boy in the Box, made headline news across the city. But did you know there's another cold case involving a child known as the Girl in the Box? I'm speaking with a reporter about why her story has been overlooked for decades. Please be advised, this episode includes descriptions of a very graphic crime that involves a child. It's Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Lynette Hazelton, you are the Communities and Engagement Desk Reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and you recently wrote a story called Philly's Girl in the Box Remains an Overlooked Mystery. When did you first hear about the Girl in the Box story? When the story broke about Joseph, my editor asked me to write the Girl in the Box story. And I do think I heard about it a long time ago, once. But like a lot of people, it had faded from memory. Tell me a little bit about her case. So, you know, a guy, Jesse, was walking along at work down along the Schuylkill River, down in South Philly, deep in South Philly, and he found a rope. And he hauled it in, and uh, it caught his attention. And when he got the box open, there was a headless young person's body. Hmm. And what's haunting is that in all of these years, that's all we basically know. She was never identified. No, because in part she was decapitated. And I think one of the things that I learned doing this story is that facial faces matter. Facial recognition is important. And they never found her head, which is haunting in and of itself, the decapitation. And we don't know anything else. With Joseph's body, of course, it was a complete body. And they could take a picture. It didn't help at the time, um, but it, it can. And and her body was found May 3rd, 1962. Yeah. And, and, and again, it was small enough to fit in a milk box at the time. Nobody filed a missing persons report. Did anyone ever try to look for her, to try to identify her? So for a while... They thought it was the missing body. This is another haunting story of a young black girl that went missing about 10 months earlier in Washington, D.C. And they concluded it was not her. Hmm. Haiti Yvonne Jackson, I think was her name. Hattie, I'm sorry. And they never found her either. Did they look? Yes. Should we have looked harder? Is there something else that we could have done? I think that's where the DNA comes in. How old was she approximately? Four to six years old, they think. This was a a, a child, a, a a child. someone's baby. A baby. I, 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 You know, this story is haunting. You know, I keep thinking, Trina, uh, could 
a four-year-old go missing today and nobody puts in a missing persons report? You know, and I would like to think the answer is no. That there's no child that could go missing in 2022 and someone wouldn't say, (laughs) someone wouldn't holler and say, there's a child missing. So even with new technology, the girl in the box was not able to be identified. What does that say about technological advancements and their capacity to help with unsolved cases such as her case? So there is the feeling, and I'm actually doing some work on an article about this now, that with the DNA technology and the genealogical DNA technology, it will really help. And the hope is we won't have unidentified bodies soon. But when they went to dig up her body, exhume her body, to get a DNA sample, the best DNA samples I learned come from, you know, like your femur or your skull, her body was missing. And we may not ever identify her. I hate to sound so pessimistic about it. Usually I'm an optimistic person, but we have to find her body in order to even begin the process of identification. The other thing about DNA is you have to have something to compare it with. So you have to have DNA samples in a database that you would compare it with. And with the genealogical DNA, you have to have relatives who do that kind of thing. And African-Americans, and she was African-American, don't use those databases as much as white Americans. Also from your reporting, what did you find was most helpful when solving cold cases? Honestly... There is somebody who cares enough that will not let your case go unsolved. And that by that, I mean there is somebody out there just staying on top of it and agitating so that it doesn't get lost under the avalanche of new cases. If there's somebody that's missing, even historically, let the police know and don't let the police forget. And let the public know and don't let the public forget. Lynette, did you learn anything about the community's response at the time when her body was discovered? I couldn't find. And and I'm still going to keep looking because like a lot of other people, it's a haunting story. But, But she just seemed to have born, lived, died in obscurity and even we can't even find her remains and you have to wonder this is where I do believe people question is it a dichotomy between the way we treat African-Americans and the way we treat others so you didn't hear much there wasn't much there was a couple of articles and then it disappeared now what was the response when Philly read your article that just recently came out? I was surprised. I think people are as haunted by this story as I am. And when they read it, there was a genuine, I believe, response that we need to find out who she is and what happened to her. And 
I think I was pleasantly surprised that this little girl who had such a short and obscure life and died in such a tragic way, or at least it seemed like a tragic way, because I am not sure right now if the decapitation happened post-mortem or anti-mortem. I don't know exactly what the cause of death was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to remember. We want to know. And I think it was not just Philadelphians who want to know. I I think it's gone across the country. We want to know what happened to this little girl. And give her a name. Could the police have done more for this child? As I've been reading about it, do I think the police could have done more? Probably. Do I think the community could have done more? I would also say probably. So if, if you're living in a community and you see a child for a while and then you don't ever see that child again, should we do something? Or would that make us too intrusive in people's private lives? Those are the questions that I ask myself. Police do get a lot on their desk, just the number of cases. And now the number of murders today is high. It's going to take the community, in my opinion, it's going to take the community to keep those faces and those names in front of the people who need to search for them. Is there more that we can do? (sighs) I think there is. That's what I walked away with. How are you after just reporting this really tough story? I've been using the word haunted. It's it's made me sad. I I won't run away from that. And I, you know, I joked and said I need to do some happy story, I, you know, a couple of happy story now. But it's it was incredibly sad because I couldn't help to think how was that first half decade of her life what kind of life did this little girl have when she was alive and i i imagine all of us are imagining that and we're not imagining something positive and i think it's in this day and age when we feel like the country is getting more and more divisive maybe one of the good things is the number of people who this story just makes sad you know that we still feel that this should not happen and it shouldn't have happened 60 years ago is there a way that she is being memorialized no and that's another good question too about people who are missing and even with the number of homicides and all of the gun violence in Philadelphia it did make me think about how do we remember people of course um, we also think about it became very public in our uh, thoughts about how do we handle the remains of those that don't have a family to to bury them in a respectful, thoughtful way. So, you know, that that's another part, I think, of this story that we might want to think about as a community. 
Lynette, what can we learn from this case of the girl in the box? You know, I have a granddaughter. She's almost two. And I think, could she possibly go missing? I know I've said this before. And nobody know. And I, I think we should ask that of every person in the city. Because there are unidentified remains. And these remains, I think I read... The average length of time is like 20 years that a body can remain unidentified. That's a long time. So do we know uh, where our people are that, that we care about? And do we check in with the people that love us? Now, right now, I'm probably sounding like somebody's mom. <laughs> And then one of the things is that the people who can go missing are often some of the most marginalized people in our communities. And I think we need to really be uh, a little bit more thoughtful about who we push to the edge, whose life doesn't matter such that we don't even know who they are. Lynette Hazelton, reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thank you for having me. We'll have a link to Lynette's full story for The Inquirer in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. You remember when we chatted with CityCast Pittsburgh about Pennsylvania's marijuana pardon project back in September? Well, according to Axios Philadelphia, only 230 applications actually made it to the governor's desk. That's just a fraction of the more than 2,600 people who applied. And this matters because a criminal record can block someone from getting a job, housing, education, or other opportunities. Also, earlier this week, the City of Philadelphia and the Thomas Scattergood Behavioral Health Foundation launched the Overdose Prevention and Community Healing Fund. According to the press release, The $3.5 million fund will award grants to community-based organizations across Philadelphia, but they're going to give special consideration to eligible organizations serving Kensington and North Philly. For more info, go to philly.gov. And this actually sounds like a fun event. The Dumpling Academy is hosting a BYOB dumpling and wonton soup workshop on Christmas Day. According to Water Ice, the workshop takes place at 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. at 2401 Walnut Street. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, rate the show, and leave us a review. Also, sign up for our morning newsletter, too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.